Hello, guys. Welcome back to With My Own Two Hands podcast. I'm your host, Exo McKenna. This is actually a very exciting episode because this is the first episode that I'm filming where there has already been an episode released. So the launch of the podcast has now happened and now I'm recording, if that makes sense. So I think all of the nerves and the excitement for the launch and kind of filming the first two episodes of the podcast before it ever launched, I was kind of like, oh, what am I doing? It's it's a very odd thing. I've been creating content for a really long time, but it's different when I have to sit down and put a mic actually in my face. And if you're watching this on YouTube, because we are filming this for YouTube and also you can stream it to wherever you get your podcasts from. And Kinsley has joined us with her baby. So I'm hoping that she just stays quiet. <laughs> uh, so if you are watching the video, you can see that there's a mic in, in front of my mouth, which is different than my regular content. So on YouTube, I don't ha have a mic on the camera, but it's not this close to me. So it was a little bit intimidating when I first sat down to film the first episode of the podcast. And also the first episode got kind of uh, vulnerable and, and deep into my history and my previous careers and leading up to doing what I'm doing now. So if you haven't watched or listened to episode one or now two, will two will also be live by the time you see this, which was with my mom, which is so good. <laughs> my mom is just, I can tell she was nervous too in the beginning because I know her so well. It's just, it's just, you know, a mic's in your face. So I'm more comfortable now, now that you guys have listened to it. I'm excited because you have given your feedback and um, I think the most special thing that you guys commented is that you were inspired by my story and I, gosh, it's, I mean, it was my story. So it, it's my life. So it was something that I obviously lived. It was my life, but to hear the response from you guys and, and just see a different side of me that isn't necessarily just, a, I'm renovating this project or I'm renovating this house and I'm doing this DIY project and really what it took and, and all of my journeys or paths or, or hard work and dedication and consistency that it took into growing the business and, and what I do now and that I get to wake up every day happy and that you guys responded so well to just hearing my story made me really happy. Um, it is my my past and and just all the things that it took to get um, to, to this point. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing to the YouTube channel and just for being along on the journey in general through the various channels and now here on the podcast. So uh, this week, I really want to talk about something major that happened. I'm sitting in our new home new home. <laughs> this has been a dream. Now I, so Romeo is my partner. We've been together for 14 years. It'll be 14 years actually this Friday when I'm filming this. So our anniversary is on Friday and I speak, I, sometimes I say we, but sometimes I say I, and I really don't like to speak for him or, or you know, like talk on his behalf. So sometimes I will say I, um, in terms of like things that I wanted growing up and when we weren't together and things, but also we, when we did something, um, major together. So I have dreamt about owning a home like this surrounded by roses lush green outdoors, cute, calm, cozy home full of character. Cause you know, I love old, you know, I love the old homes. I've just dreamt about this since I was a little girl and I dreamt about going off to California and that obviously I did that when I went away to college and I just always planned on this being my future. And I think as we Romeo and I got together um, and then we've spent the last 14 years together. I think it became our dream and we dreamt about this for a really long time and we would drive in neighborhoods where they, you know, they had really nice houses and it was just like a peaceful, quiet street. It wasn't on a major you know, major street, like our apartment was. And, uh, we didn't have noisy neighbors, like, you know, like the wall was shared and, and we used to dream about what our lives would be like in those homes and to have it come to fruition and have it come to be real life is major. 
it's just, it's just major. And we are so happy. We closed on this house in November, November 9th, I believe November 9th. And we took a minute to move in because I was still knee deep in in renovations at the cottage in Texas, which we'll get into, uh, because we, we own a piece of property there. And we had Christmas coming up, the holidays. I was filming Vlogmas for my vlog channel where I film and upload every day for the 25 days of Christmas, which takes a lot out of me. It's a lot happening, a lot of editing, a lot of filming. Um, so I had all of that happening. Uh, and when you find the right property, you know, it's not actually going to be on the day that you expect it to be. You just kind of have to roll with the punches. So we waited until the beginning of January to move. So we finished the holidays. We had Christmas with Romeo's family. We flew back to Texas for Christmas with my family. And then we moved in. Uh, the movers showed up on the 7th of January. So we have been in, when I'm filming this, we've been in the new house living here for almost three weeks. It's wonderful. It's everything. I mean, I think it even got to a point where Romeo was excited to move in, but I, every day it made me really happy because uh, you know, I kind of push home projects because I'm an interior designer <laughs> and I kind of push that I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> um, so sometimes I feel like I'm pushing a little too hard, but this was definitely for our future and he hates moving. So that was a whole nother struggle. I love moving. He hates moving. There's a whole thing. So every day after we had moved in, we wake up and he started his new routines, you know, with work and stuff. And so did I, he would wake up and he would be like, Oh my gosh, I love our house. Oh my gosh, I love our house. And Romeo's such a goofball. Like he makes me laugh on a regular basis. So he would like dance through different rooms and sing and play music. And he's just so much fun. So I knew he too was feeling what I was feeling. And this just felt right. It feels like we've always lived here and this is how it always was supposed to be. So... I feel like I, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I can really speak to buying a home. I've now done it twice and I've done it in two completely different ways in two different states in America. Obviously we're in the United States, but two different states here in Texas and in California, two different ways. One was cash, one was a loan. Uh, so I've gotten to experience firsthand both sides of buying a home. And of course, everyone's situation and everyone's experience is still going to be different, no matter if it's um, different states or different countries, even if you're listening, which is crazy if you're listening to to this podcast right now from another country. Um, so every, everyone is going to have their own experience. Everyone is going to have you know, different qualifications, different money that they're putting down, different situation. It's just all different. So I wanted to, to speak to buying a home just based on our own experiences, things that we went through, things that happened to us, uh, because I would have liked to hear that from someone. I knew going into buying a house, all I really knew, well, my parents have obviously done it. So I can, I can listen to their experience. Um, but all I really knew is that it's really stressful. That's the one thing that you hear a lot. I, at least I did. It's really stressful. Uh, it could be hard. You know, you have you have to have a lot of money up front and it could be hard. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> so I, or, or what you see on like HGTV or, you know, so those were like, until it happens to you, you don't really know, right? You don't really know what's going to happen. So I wanted to talk about the differences and this was actually one of your requested podcast episodes that you actually wanted to hear. So let's start from the beginning, shall we? So we own a home and property in Texas and I'm originally from Texas. Uh, I, I lived there until well, I, I wasn't born there. I was born in Louisiana, moved to Texas when I was 10. And then I grew up 
there, so to speak. And then I moved off to California when I went to college. So when I was, what, 18, 19. And my parents still live in Texas, but they don't live in my hometown. They actually moved out kind of towards like at the hill country. Uh, they kind of call it the Napa Valley of Texas because there's lots of wineries and it's a big tourist town and uh, the, a lot of people go there. And it's, the town itself is right outside a larger tourist town. So it's quickly becoming more popular. So there's lots, lots of things involved. So they actually moved out there before it was kind of popular, I think. And I always dreamt of having a place that was comfortable next to my parents. Uh, when we did try and we wanted to start a family, I wanted there to be a comfortable place for Romeo and I and our family to go and spend longer than just a weekend or a holiday, you know, and really get to spend time with my parents. So that was always kind of the goal later on in life. Well, then 2020 happened, the pandemic. <sighs> and then it felt like who knows what's going on. It was just so hard as, well, it was hard in lots of ways for lots of people. Let me preface that. Um, it was specifically just on a personal, I mean, we all experienced that together, you know, so it was hard specifically on my business, so to speak, because I'm an interior designer and you guys have watched me make over my apartment in LA, uh, for at the time, you know, for that, it had been uh, several years and I had finished decorating it. And I think if I would have redone a, a room in that apartment one more time, you guys were just going to like want to pull your hair out. You know, it, it had been done. So I got in a really hard situation to where I had nothing to decorate. I had nothing to design. I couldn't go over to people's homes and friends that I was doing that at the time too. I was going to friends and family's houses and I would do room makeovers for them. And I couldn't, we were supposed to be, not we were supposed to be, we were quarantined. We were not seeing anyone. I don't think I saw another soul besides Romeo until like December of that year, you know? So it was, it was a long time that, that was hard. You know, I, I think it was October of that year actually, because we actually did drive from LA to Texas with my car. Not, I just hadn't seen my family. And so it was, it was a complicated. So I didn't know what was happening. We, I desperately needed a project and, um, thankfully we were still doing well. Our businesses were still doing well. So we still had an income. We were, we were really strong in that sense. So we were good. And then it came to a point where I was like, oh, well, maybe we have enough money right now to actually invest in a property here because property value is really low. Um, it was attainable. And we were fortunate enough to have find a place, <laughs> drove by this house and it needed a lot of work. <laughs> a couple of houses, actually, we toured a, a, a couple and it just kind of was an idea. Of course, my mom was all, all for it because it meant that I was going to be back in Texas for a little bit. So we started looking and then it got to a point where we were like, is this, gonna, this really happen? Like this could be like really cool. It could be like a huge passion project for me personally. Uh, it could be big for, you know, my business because I do renovate, decorate all the things for content um, to share my ideas and my creativity and hopefully inspire others to, um, you know, to make their house a home. And this could be a really true expression of my creativity. So we were like, whoa, let, okay, let's, let's really think about this seriously. So we toured this house and I just knew it from the one that we own now, the cottage, we toured it. And I saw so much potential. I saw so much character. I saw so much that we could salvage. I saw so much that we could just like bring back to life and all of the other offers on that house. There was, there were several it never went on the market. Uh, there's just a coming soon sign in the front yard. And the only reason we knew about it is there was actually an estate sale there a few months prior. So the house had been empty for a few years. And then I think a distant relative or something had come in and done uh, the estate sale. So they, there was a lot of stuff. She was like a ballerina or something from New York. And he was a, a, mace, a masoner. No, that's not the right word. He worked on cars. 
that whatever that word is. Um, so he had lots of tools and really valuable stuff actually. So after they had passed, a distant relative kind of had come in and like put this estate sale together and um, they hired a company and they, and they sold all of the stuff, getting the house ready to sell. So it was in that stage. So there were quite a few offers. If I'm remembering correctly, there had to have been like, I think six maybe, but all of the offers that were serious um, besides ours wanted to tear the property down. And I of course wanted to save it. So usually one of the first things that you do, um, and it may be more common in the last, you know, kind of like five or six years of, of real estate is you actually write a letter kind of talking about <laughs> why you want the house, who are you? It, I think it humanizes the offer and it, it's just a letter that's uh, on both of my accounts has been written by my realtor. I haven't actually um, written it them myself, um, but, you know, they kind of tell me what they put into the letter on my behalf and write about, you know, various things. Um, and then in this situation with this house, it was, you know, our parents were there, we're moving back from California. It was, it was fluffed a little bit, if you will. Um, but it humanizes it a little bit. So I actually wanted to save the house. So that was in, in the letter that we wanted to rehab it and bring it back to life and restore it. So the other offers wanted to tear it down. We had a leg up in that sense. Um, my first offer, I lowballed. I'm, my parents told me what to offer. Um, I think it ended up being, um, gosh, I actually couldn't give you numbers cause I actually don't quite remember. I, I know it was about 80,000 lower than asking, but when you're dealing with that level of a house, 80,000 was like half the house. <laughs> Um, so it was, it was, it was a low offer. So when they came back, it was interesting because when we bought that, when we were kind of gearing up for it, there was no negotiation, zero. Like it was kind of nerve wracking because the owners, which were the, was the son of the, the, so it was a mother and the stepfather, the mother passed several years before the stepfather. The stepfather had passed a few years ago. It went to the son of the woman, the, the mother. Um, and so it was in like a trust and it was all tied up in this crazy stuff. And so they wanted best and final by a certain day. They were not, it was not going to be like a bidding war of sorts. It wasn't, and a bidding war means like one person offers, you know, let's say like 5,000 and the next person offers 6,000 and then the next person offers 7,000. And when you get to the end, you're like really far above the asking price. And so it wasn't going to be a bidding war. It wasn't any of that, but they wanted best and final. Well, how do you do that? Like, how do you do best and final when you don't know what the other offers are, and you could potentially lose the house by guessing wrong. You know, if you can go above what you offered, like you're, you're saying like, I could, uh, we could have lost the house on like $10 or something. You don't know I mean? something ridiculous. So you just have no basis. It's super up in the air. You just have to go with it. So we ended up offering full ask. So we did not go over asking price. We offered full ask and I was willing, I think in the thing we were, we were willing to share half of the closing costs. So the closing costs are extra things, right? So when you go into escrow, you have an escrow meaning like, okay, now we're in escrow. This is where the money is going to be exchanged. They're, you know, getting all of the ducks in a row, what taxes the previous owner pays versus you, um, the, the money that goes to the realtor, you know, all of those things are getting worked out. So it's super, super clean. And this is done by a title company. So if we went to escrow, I was willing to half the closing costs with them when I think the closing costs ended up being on this level of a property, it's usually about 
Now, now I'm kind of getting into specifics, but I think the closing cost is usually around 3% of the purchase price. That's a gauge. I should Google that. I should Google that because I don't want to give you wrong information. That's just like, you know, knowledge off of experience. How much is our, how much are average closing? Okay. Typically range between, I was right. Typically range between 2% and 5% of the purchase price. So that's, I was right. So around 3%, you can kind of estimate. So if you buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars, 3% of that is going to be in addition on top. That's not something that they normally tell you either. So I had to really make all of this make sense to me, you know, for doing it the first time. So I was willing to pay half. Well, when dealing with a property of this level, we're talking like the closing costs were like $1,000 or like, I think like $1,200. It was not significant. So when you're halving that, I was like 500 bucks, you know? And so when it all shook out and I finally got the call that we had received, we, we got the house, uh, it was ours. Congratulations. It, we literally only won quote unquote the house by half the closing costs, which is crazy. So there was another offer on the table that was full ask, but zero closing costs. They weren't going to pay any of it. So the owner had to pay that full hundred percent of the closing cost, full the full 3%. There was actually one additional offer that was in play when we got to the end that was actually I think like 20,000 higher, but he called the realtor and she told me this way after she called, he called the realtor and pulled out 10 minutes before the cutoff time that we were supposed to have best and final in. He pulled out 10 minutes before because he didn't want to be in a bidding war. He wasn't in a bidding war. He just didn't want to deal with it, I guess. Or maybe, you know, who knows, maybe he found another property or just wasn't into it. Blah, 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 blah. So we literally got the house on like such a small thing, which is so great because I mean, look at what we've been able to do with it. So we paid cash for the house and it was definitely easier than getting a loan. Now, now I know, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to pay cash. We had enough. And then we had a, a little, a, a nice little percentage to actually put into the house to actually renovate it. Cause that was obviously important. We didn't want to spend all of the money on the house and then not have enough to put into it. Uh, so the process was super easy. We knew the house was old, so we had no inspection. Honestly, I knew we had to do all things. We had to do it. Knew it, knew it. I knew it. So I'm like, why do I need someone coming in and telling me that I need to replace all of these things and paying them when I know I'm going to replace it? So all new electrical, all new plumbing, um, new gas lines. I mean, it was very dated. It was very, very. And so we knew based on our limited knowledge, my dad actually kind of like self-inspected it himself. So we could tell that we did need to level the house underneath. So foundation things, we could tell that the chimneys weren't being used. Obviously those needed to come out. We could just generally tell. So we saved the money on inspections. We had no inspections. We had no contingencies, meaning contingent on the sell of the house is contingent meaning it's, it's, if this happens, we're, it's a no-go, you know, if, uh, the, if, if the inspection comes back, you know, really bad, we're going to pull out kind of thing. We had zero contingencies, no loan contingency. Like if we weren't going to be able to get approved for the loan, uh, it wouldn't go through. We weren't going to do a loan. It was a cash offer. We had no appraisal contingencies. We knew what the house was worth. It honestly actually sold full ass was actually high for the area then, but the property value has already like quadrupled. So it's definitely worth, it was worth the investment. And it was just so simple. It was really simple. It actually took a while to close. Now we had, we offer, that's, this was our offer. Let me, let me back up. Our offer was full ask, share closing costs, zero contingencies, like, so no inspection, no nothing. Close in 15, 15 days, close in 15 days. So super, they were going to have their money super fast. It was all cash with no contingencies, no nothing, like really easy. Like our offer was like, 
no brainer, right? But so were the other ones. And so we took a while to close because the, the house was tied up in a trust fund. So when they didn't have the right, basically the, the son that was selling it didn't have the right, the kind of like all the rights to sell it unless it went through the trust fund first. And it was like all tied up. Also the title company that they were working with was like not good. Um, later found out that they had a pretty poor reputation, but it was just taking so long. So we knew we were getting the house before Thanksgiving. So we were supposed to have a 15 day close. We didn't close. We didn't close and get the keys until February 2nd. So it took three months for a 15 day close of me calling, calling, calling a realtor, calling, 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 like over and over and over again, just stress, right? For me, it didn't matter that much, but also mattered a lot because I had every, I had no content for my interior design job. I had nothing to share. And we were in the middle of lockdown. Everyone was, you know, really looking to, to YouTube and for inspiration to do things for their homes while they were, you know, stuck at home, not being able to do anything. And I had nothing to share. So it was, it was hard business wise, but on a personal level wise, I mean, we, we ended up closing. It's been great. We have put just as much into it. I feel no, not, not actually, I would have to look back at the numbers, which is another episode that I really want to do on the podcast is really break down the costs of that renovation. And was it worth DIYing every little piece of it? Or would we have been better off, you know, maybe hiring some people for some things and just the overall experience of renovating that cottage. Um, but, but it's been an incredible learning experience. And then going through buying that first home, which we now hope to turn into an investment property. So that was always the plan. Being a big tourist town, an area that's up and coming, um, it's our property value has already increased. We hope to eventually create like a little side budget for us to have enough money to build some Airbnbs in the back, turn it into like a nice little oasis. That's still very much the plan. So that being an investment property for our future, we wanted to look for our home home, our forever home, our home where we were going to start the next chapter in our chapter in our lives and start a family. So we started this process, we, we thought the renovations on the cottage in Texas was only going to take two years. Uh, so we planned accordingly and we started looking for homes. We knew that this was going to be a lot more of an intense process. Um, we're looking obviously in California where the market is much more competitive and real estate is just, it's more competitive. It's more competitive. It's, it's a lot, there's a lot more to it. So we started that we knew that our lease was going to be up on our apartment and we didn't want to sign it again. So we, when we signed it for a year, we were like, okay, this is the year that we're going to start really, really diving in and looking for a home. And we started going to open house weekends and on a couple of, I think after going for a couple of weekends, we met a realtor that I really, really hit it off with. Love her. She's actually the one that got us this house and we, when we worked together, um, but loved her. So she would set up days where we would just go see homes of all price points really, because we were really looking for what we wanted. We were in research phase. We were in, okay, what do we want? What area we want to be in? What are we really looking for? What is our master checklist of things that we need the house to be in order to not grow out of it really quickly and really be able to stay there for, you know, if not five years forever, you know? So we were, we were really looking for, um, everything that we wanted, <laughs> you know, go big or go home. So we slowly started through these research weekends of going to open houses and then going with her. We started slowly making our checklist of everything that we wanted. And we, over the next nine months, we had seen close to 60 homes with her, without her. I would go on my own. I would be driving down the street and see an open house sign. I'd go in. I didn't care what it looked like. I was going in. Through that process, our checklist became really, really specific. So I don't know if that, if that hurt us or helped us, but I think it helped us because 
I do love this home. And I don't think if I had that checklist really, really specific, we would have really found this home. So I knew I didn't want a white box. Um, basically a renovation or a new build where, um, someone had just gone in and just, it was just no character. I wanted an old home that still had the character and I didn't want a new build. I didn't want modern slick details. I wanted the original stuff. Um, so this house that we eventually found was built in the 1930s and the exterior is a little bit storybook, a little bit English cottage. The interior has lots of character with the brick floors and the dual-sided fireplace and the beams, which I'm heartbroken that they actually painted white. The, they're not exposed anymore. <laughs> well, they're exposed, but they're white. Um, I can't wait to bring those back to life. It has all the original 1930s windows, but most of them are painted shut. Um, there are lots of character elements that are still here, which was really important to me personally. Less so for Romeo, his checklist, um, you know, I care about the aesthetics sides of things, but his checklist really encompassed one major factor, move in ready. He's like, I just want to move in. I do, we need to be able to move in and live without me tearing it up. So that was kind of his checklist for me, putting him through the last renovation project at the cottage. Uh, I learned my lesson. Uh, it, he doesn't like it as much as I do. So noted, I promised that I wouldn't do that again right away. So we would be able to move in, live there, be comfortable, start our family. And then it's unrealistic to think that I would never want to do any renovations, obviously. And he knew that. So as long as we take them step by step and we, you know, save for them and really prioritize a specific area and have ways of kind of escaping the renovation stuff, he's okay with it. You know, he, he, he'll live with that. So it was, it was, that was really, that was really his checklist. And so we developed this checklist. We started looking 60 homes later, this property came on the market. It was live on the market for, I believe when I saw it, it was live for six hours, seven hours at most. And I saw it, I sent it to my real to realtor right away. And she's always, she was always sending me stuff that was off market, uh, the MLS type of things, anything that would come up. Um, but this one particularly was a little deceiving because the picture I saw wasn't really the best picture. <laughs> so it was a little deceiving. So I was like, I was a little skeptical about it actually. Um, and it wasn't until I sent it to her and I was like, I don't know what about this house. I, I can't tell, but I, I think I want to see it. And I think I was in town at the time. It was like, it would just happen to where of all this, all the months and two years I had spent in Texas, I was actually here when this home was, went live and went on the market. So she's like, yeah, 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 let me call. We were in here the same day. And so she's like, meet me there at three or whatever. So I met her here. We, she actually got the key. It was like a whole thing. It just like all Everything happened so well. It was like meant to be. We were the first ones to see it. We were the first ones to tour it. It had just been staged before the pictures were taken. Um, and I didn't love the staging. I had to look past the staging. It wasn't my favorite. <laughs> it just, I, for me, it didn't match the home. Uh, it was too modern for the home, you know, but I think that that's what people look for here. I just, you know, I'm a sucker for old stuff and antiques and things. Uh, so we came and we toured it and I remember walking through and I, and I walked in the front door and it was almost like a wave of emotion came over me. It's, it's just like, I knew it. I knew that this house was for us. I knew it felt like home. I could see our, us building our family here. I could see us never leaving. And that was wild. I hadn't felt that about any other property, even though there had been some that we were actually interested in. But there was always something a little bit wrong. You know, one we were really interested in in the beginning and it had, it needed way too much work way too much. And I knew it, but I was like, Oh, <laughs> I could do it though. And uh, you know, it just, it was too much. I, kn I knew it was going to be too much on us. And especially with this phase in our life that we really are looking to start a family that was not 
right for us. The second house that I really liked that I kept stalking was actually already in escrow when I found it. And looking back on it now, I'm glad that we didn't get that home, even though I loved it. It's the exterior and all of the details, the original details on the inside. It lacked a lot of things that this house had, and we would have outgrown it really quickly because it was actually smaller. So it was a blessing. And so then this was the now the third house and I just knew it when I walked in I just knew it and I feel like that's how you should feel. You really should feel it. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. It's just a feeling and and where where you can call home. And so I knew before I left that day that we were going to be able we were going to put in an offer. Romeo was like, "Yeah." And I was like, yeah, I actually got to a point where like I was walking around the side of the house and in the front, there's the rose garden in the front of the house. And I was walking through the gate around through the path, along the pathway through the rose garden. And they were all in bloom and there were pink on one side and white on the other. And it just overwhelmed me. And I literally, there was only one word that came out of my, my mouth and it was, yep. It, it, that was it. I went back into the house. I looked right at my realtor and I was like, yes. And so later that day, we, since they, they were having an open house that weekend. So she knew she was like, they're going to, they're going to have the open house, you know? So, um, it was inevitable. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they, they had the open house that weekend, but before the open house was over, I believe we put in the offer and it did, this house did go over ask. Uh, we were at a little bit of a bidding war, not too crazy, but we were competing against an all cash, all cash offer. And so that played into it. And there's a lot of, of more hoops you have to jump through when you apply for a loan for a mortgage. So this was very different. Buying this house was very different than the first time. Obviously bought the cottage in Texas cash. We had no contingencies. We literally had to do nothing but write a check. This one, lots of things. So let's get into it, shall we? <sighs> Did go over ask. By the time we were we were still in talks and we were still like in negotiation phase. I had already been pre-approved for a loan of this size. And so we knew going into it, we were pretty solid. We knew we were approved in some form. Uh, we just needed all the details to be ironed out. So that was what I was leaning, leading with. Uh, so we knew going into it that, okay, there were negotiations. We're pretty solid. We know like the loan's going to come through. And then we knew we were buying this house or looking to buy in an extremely volatile interest rate economy period. Whatever the words are to describe what was happening at the moment was like interest rates on loans were changing by the minute. And when I say by the minute, I really mean it. It was so volatile. The market was all over the place or not the market, but the, the interest rates were all over the place. The day we were trying to lock in our interest rate for our loan, rates had changed seven times. We, it's almost like we could not get all the ducks in a row fast enough to chase the changing interest rate. And by then I really had to have a talk with myself and Romeo and be like, we're in this now. It is what it is. We will refi later. We'll refinance the house later. So we were just in it. Um, but we knew, you know, a lot of people had, when we were looking for, for homes, a lot of people had a lot of opinions, like in, in my personal life, like friends and family or for, or online and people commenting that it's a really bad time to buy because of the interest rates. And here are my thoughts on that. You have to buy when you're comfortable for buying and when you're ready and it's your money and it's your, it's, it's all happening to you. And, and you can take people's advice with not with a grain of salt, but just as much as you can. But when I looked at our situation, when we had been preparing for this for a really, really long time, and yes, it's unfortunate for it to be in a time where the interest rates were more volatile and more like more higher, you know, especially higher than they were in the beginning of the pandemic. But was that going to stop me from moving my life forward 
or could I just fix it later? And I think you got into two, there were two kind of like thought processes when in this, especially this last year of, of purchasing real estate, it was either you were on the side of, oh no, 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 no. Interest rates are too high. I'm pulling back. It's a horrible time to buy. I'm not doing it. I'm going to wait until they lower. Right. And then you were going to buy a house when everyone else wanted to buy a house. And there were going to be in California, 80 offers on the house that you wanted. And you probably might not even get the house that you like. That was like where I was thinking, you know, like, yes, you waited, but now there's so much competition. Or the other side is that you have less competition. There's because all these people had like stopped looking because the interest rates were so high. You have less competition. So this house had eight offers. So we had a competition of eight versus 80. And I'm not kidding when I say 80. I had a friend looking to buy a home and she didn't get it because there were 80 offers. And that was obviously during the pandemic when the interest rates were really, really low. Um, 80. Can you imagine 80 offers being in a bidding war with 80 offers? Wild. We had eight other offers. There were, or there were eight offers on this house. So our competition pool was, was a lot smaller. It was a lot easier for us to kind of maneuver and hopefully get the house. There was possibility, you know? And that thought process, so not only is there less competition, but also you can wait and refinance the house later at a better interest rate when it makes sense. Um, yes, you have to pay to refinance your house. So it has to make sense with not only paying to refi your house, but also the interest, what you're going to save. It all has to make sense, obviously. We were in that pool of people. We were in the pool of, I would rather less competition and get my dream home and refi later than have lots of competition and lose my dream home and have to settle or not even get one and further push my life back at the point where we're trying to start a family and just cause myself more stress and this process to go on longer. And you just have to do what's right for you. So whatever you feel is going to be the best for your family and what you can afford and if it all makes sense. And if you could, what they say is like, if you can afford the monthly payment, you're okay. <laughs> and you'll figure it, it all will work out. So that's the pool we were in. So we, we made the offer. Our offer was above ask. And when it all um, shook out, uh, we were getting a loan. So we had a few contingencies. Now this was very different than our first house because we had none. One contingency was a loan contingency. So we knew we were pre-approved, but most of the time you put in a loan contingency um, because if we didn't get the loan, we could pull out, right? Um, so that was one. Number, the second contingency was the appraisal contingencies. So it had to appraise. When you got this type of loan, it was for, you had to get two appraisals. So each appraisal at the time that w what we paid was $700 a piece. Uh, it ended up, I don't even think that we had to pay for them. I think it ended up shaking out that, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how it worked. <laughs> Towards the end, I was like, you're giving me a credit? I'll take it. <laughs> so we had to get two appraisals from do two different appraisal companies, but we knew that the house would appraise. In my experience and what I think, I think that we did get a deal on this house, which is unheard of for California. It was in a volatile market and we re reaped the benefit of them. There not being very many offers and they had to unload this house and we, we got it. So we had the appraisal contingency, but we knew it, we really didn't knew, know it was a would, would appraise. And the third contingency was the inspection contingency, which no matter if of a house of this caliber and the size um, and this price point, it's unheard of for someone not to do an inspection. Uh, so even if you were an all cash offer, you're still going to have an inspection contingency. So we had to do several inspections. Actually, we had a general inspection, which included like termite and the overall house. And I actually, it was the first time getting an inspection on a house. Um, it's actually really informative. It's basically someone paying someone to come in your house and tell you all the little bitty things. He tests everything, all the outlets, looks up in the roof, checks the termites, any termite damage, 
Um, anything outside that's broken, anything that needs to be updated. Um, I mean, down to like the, the, the last time the filter was changed on the air conditioner and so many things. So I have this like, um, 38 page inspection of the house that I can just go through and like make myself a weekend to-do list and just fix things on the house, which is like kind of crazy. I really, I really liked that. It's not, not something that I had to discover on my own. Um, so we had to get that a general inspection. We also have a pool here at the house. So we had to get a pool inspection, which was a separate fee. And there was one more, oh, sewer. We had to get a sewer inspection. So inspection day was pretty crazy. Um, to preface, you have to pay for that all on top. I had a whole conversation. I got on a, a joint call with my realtor and my loan officer, anyone that was anyone. I was like, we need to break this down because we were putting 20% down on this house. I needed to figure out what else I needed because all of that stuff comes on top. The appraisals, so 700 and 700, so that's twice, that's 1,400. All of the inspections, the closing costs, the, I mean, things, there are more things. Uh, so I had to, I literally had to sit him down. I'm like, you need to, I have not done this loan before. Like you need to break it down for me. Like how much more I'm just not experienced. And I wasn't afraid to ask the right questions because, you know, I didn't, as much as I wanted to be taken seriously, I didn't want to not know what I was getting myself into. So I just, I had them lay it all out and I figured out exactly how much more money on top of the down payment we were going to need to allocate to this house to make it make sense. So going back to what I was saying, what was I saying? <laughs> kind of lost my train of thought. Um, all the inspections and, oh, on inspection day, was crazy. There were so many people here. My realtor is like A++. I would love to, you actually, um, one of you guys asked to have the realtor on. I would love to ask her if she would be on the podcast because she is so cool. She speaks in a language that I just feel like we get. We just understand. She made me feel so calm, cool, collect, exactly what a realtor should do. Um, it's just make the process easier. She knew all the right people. She's been doing this for a long time. She knew the right inspectors, the, the best of the best. You know, she just made this process like so good. Now, I don't know if all LA realtors or Cal I don't know if all California realtors are like that, but she was great. Um, so on inspection day, there were so many people here. There was my realtor, the seller's realtor, me and Romeo, Romeo and I, the ins main general inspector, the termite inspector, the pool inspector, the sewer inspector, the retrofit guys. Now that's something that the seller pays for. It basically comes in and makes sure that all of the uh, smoke alarms and things are all functioning and good to go for safety reasons. So that's the retrofit guy. Uh, I think that might've been all that, all of those people. So that's nine people, if not assistants here working on things and just looking at everything in, in anything. So everything came back pretty good, except for one thing. One thing was a surprise, uh, not a surprise, but one thing was, I think a surprise to both the seller and I is came back in the sewer inspection. So when this house was built or at some point I vaguely remember him saying like in the seventies and the sewer guy, the sewer inspector uh, guy was uh, very informative and I loved it. I love that he loved talking about it because I wanted to hear it. He was talking about how in the seventies or if not when this house was built in the thirties, at some point in the past, this area had experimented with concrete drains. Uh, which has a lot of problems. He was like, well, for one, when you flush your toilets and things go down the sewer, they're very acidic. So it would naturally break down the concrete and start to disintegrate. And they've done a lot of updates since then. Obviously they do not use concrete drains anymore. Uh, sewer lines, concrete sewer lines. So 
what they are doing now is instead of going underneath the concrete and, and into the ground and ripping out the concrete, they basically put this like sleeve inside and it expands into the inside. So it protects whatever's going through the sewer line from the concrete so that that stays intact and it functions. Well, we the house itself up until the property line had had that done. It was all good. Uh, but what they did not do is from, as a homeowner, you're, you're obligated and responsible for anything that happens from your property line to the middle of the street. So we don't know if the sellers didn't know that at the time um, or not. We, we don't know whenever it was done, but we went back and got an estimate on how much that would cost. And it was going to cost between like eight Anything, anywhere between $8,000 to $12,000 to do it because you have to pull city permits and it's a whole thing. Uh, so we ended up getting a $10,000 credit on the sell of the house. So it was basically like threw it in my, threw the ball into our court, you take care of it, you get a credit, so on and so forth. So um, we, we, we found out through that process that the all cash offer on this house actually had come back as a backup offer at $25,000 more than what we had paid. Like their backup offer was not only all cash, but solid. And, you know, and so they kind of, the sellers kind of threatened that a little bit. They were like, oh, we have backup offer. When I wanted the $10,000 credit, I'm like, they're going to want the $10,000 credit too. Like they're going to do their own, own inspection, inspections. Um, regardless, I digress. We got the $10,000. Everything, the credit, everything about the inspection and stuff went really, really well. And part to make, part of our so to speak, to make ourselves look more desirable against an all cash offer was to remove some of the contingencies that we just knew we didn't need. So we knew that at the time we had done a lot more work in the loan department, <laughs> the loan process. We removed the loan contingency because we were really confident that we, we it was a little scary for my, my loan officer, but we agreed that we could remove the loan contingency because we were 99.999% positive that we were going to get the loan. We also were able to remove the appraisal contingencies because we were more than confident that it would actually appraise and which it did. So it was okay. And the only contingency left was the inspection contingency that the all cash offer also had. So it put us on the same playing field and we were, we came, we were actually slightly above their offer. So we got the house and then the crazy, like, then you're like, oh, like you're in it and you're like, you know, offers are being thrown and negotiations are happening and that's all stressful in and of itself. And you're like, yay, we, congratulations. You got the house. It's yours. And then the month from H-E-L-L happened. I have never been so stressed. I have never been so uncomfortable on edge with my phone permanently glued to my hand. And you guys, like I was doing renovations in Texas when we were closing on this house for the entire, like from October, like mid-October, we had a 20, oh, by the way, one of the, um, in the thing, we had a 21 day close. Uh, so it was a quick close for a loan. Like we made this happen. And I contribute a lot to that, to the loan officer and my realtor and just making this all happen and me being on it. And Romeo and I like submitting things, everything that we needed really fast and being responsive. So if you're getting a loan, just know that you're going to have to be available for them to just talk to and get paperwork and things. So during that 21 days, those 21 days were absolutely insane. I've never been that crazy stressed before. Um, from all night hours, like on the phone, talking, getting paperwork, signing documents, sh giving just people digging in your finances and people in your accounts and constantly feeling like this is going to fall through. At any moment, I felt like this is just going to all fall apart. Like there's just no way, like just the uncertainty and the doubt that kind of creeped in. And I was like, I know that I can like, 
uh, like afford it. Like how? It's like so hard. And one of the things that I kept reminding, you know, it comes down to you just have to give them everything that they need. Any, be on top of it, provide it, provide it again, provide it again, provide it again. I'm like, I've given you this document like five times. Do you know what I mean? And just reminding them and like, you know, it was just, it's a lot. So you're just going to have to making sure that all your ducks in a row. One of the things I kept reminding myself of is it will all be over. Your 21 days will come to an end. You won't ever talk about this stuff anymore. It'll all be over. I mean, to the point where I was like, everything has to stop. No money going out. Like I even held off paying until like the day, like I pay off, I'm the person type of person that pays off their credit cards every month. Um, I don't outspend my life, you know? And so like we had to stop paying until like the very last second. Cause I was like, I will so be so mad if I get interest charges. <laughs> um, so you really have to pay attention, um, to your debt to income ratio. I, when, gosh, I, I think it was, I had racked up quite a lot of debt when I was young <laughs> from like my first credit card. I didn't know that you, <laughs> that I just, just naive. Uh, I didn't know that you own, like my first credit card, I got $300 credit limit. Well, I thought you got $300 every month <laughs> without paying it off. I'm like, McKenna, you're so dumb. Uh, so no, I quickly learned my lesson there and got an interest charge. So I was learned from my parents in that way that my parents pay off their credit cards every month. That was just like um, how you I was raised um, to handle finances. So I do that too. And then I racked up a lot of debt. Uh, when I left my corporate job, after, like all the things that I, guys, that I told you guys in episode one, uh, I was living off of credit cards too. And, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you got to do. And I had the credit card limit and I, I was maxing some things out for sure. And I just, it is what it is. I just had to do it. But I did, when I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel and I started to make enough money, I started pouring money into paying off my debt. So going into this phase of life, uh, and, and where we were going to have a lot of people digging around in our accounts and, uh, getting a loan and our debt to interest, our debt to income ratio was really good because I have no debt and we owned our home in Texas. It's paid off. I own my car. It's paid off. I don't have any, I don't carry any credit card debt. I have an excellent credit score. I work, I pride myself on my credit score. So all of those things combined, I knew we were re in a really good, if we weren't in a really good position to get this house, I don't know who could, unless you have all cash. And that was just not realistic. I, we had to get a mortgage for this home. The whole process took 21 days. It was stressful. I felt like it wasn't going to happen. And I just kept reminding myself that it will be over. Just answer their phone calls every day, every five times, five times a day in the middle of the night. Are you free? Are you free? It was a lot, a lot of signing, a lot of paperwork, a lot of moving things around um, until it all shook out on the last day and we closed escrow. And it felt so good. And now I know that all of those people that said, oh, buying houses are really stressful and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. I kept reminding myself it will all be over and people get mortgages every day. It's a very, it's like the most common loan to get in life. And as long as I would research everything, I would Google things. If I didn't know what something, like there's a lot of abbreviations in real estate, you know, in, in like loan language. I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know, like even down to, especially if you buy in California, more than often you're going to have to apply for a jumbo loan and a jumbo loan, I think in the uh, year when we, when we closed on the house in 2022 was, I think anything over like 600,000 was considered a jumbo loan. So there's even more kind of things that you have to really like, you know, your credit score and your debt to income ratio has to be really, really good um, to get a, a jumbo loan. So look 
into that if you're like in California, I don't know if you can find property for less than that. I had to research that and I had to research all of these abbreviations and just Google is my friend in DIY projects and Google is my friend in loan language apparently and just really educating myself. And I, I know so much more about the process, but I can tell you being like four, no, not even four months. That was November. So December, January, two months out of doing all of that. I don't plan on doing it again anytime soon. <laughs> it was definitely traumatizing, but you just have to just buckle down and just handle it and keep reminding yourself that, you know, it's going to be over and you're going to have your, and what, is it worth what? Okay, let me go back. Was it worth it? Yes. That I get to sit in this house right now. <laughs> and call this home and call like fulfill a dream a hundred percent worth it. I would not give it up for anything. And I, I would do it again all over again if I had to, in order to feel the way that I felt living here for three weeks. And the moment that I walked into this house with my mom, cause she stayed and um, we, we had a slumber party when we moved in here. Uh, before we moved in actually right the day we closed we had a slumber party I ordered the mattress that's upstairs and she flew in and we we had a slumber party because we've done that at pretty much every place that I've lived in we we did that when I moved to California when I moved in into an apartment so it's just kind of like a memory that I like to create we did that at the cottage my mom and I so it's just a special time with her and just the feeling that I got when she was looking around that it it finally hit me that this was a dream come true. And, you know, I am a big believer in working really hard and really enjoying life. And as much as I could live a life of just saving every penny and penny pinching and stuff. And like, we, we value experiences. We value, um, having fun together and having things that make our life fulfilled in, in whatever that is for you. And for, for me, it's always been home. I've always needed a place to escape to. I've always needed a place that felt comfortable and safe. And this is the first time that I feel like we can finally start the journey to starting a family. And I know that this is exactly where we need to be. So I would do all of the crazy loan stuff again. <laughs> I would do that. So when you're feeling stressed, just DM me, we'll, we'll, we'll talk it out. But I hope that gives you insight into our experience. Um, buying a house, buying now two homes, one's an investment property and one is a permanent residence. Um, and then I hope that it will continue. Like I, I see myself in the future flipping homes. So that definitely involves, you know, purchasing a house and then having a budget to put into it. And we can get more into like, um, you know, specific amounts, so to speak, when we do that, when it's not so close to home for us, when it's just something with our, with our personal home, we just really want to keep that information um, to ourselves in private. But when we start flipping homes, I mean, that's incredible. I know how incredibly valuable the costs of things can, can be. And just, it, it really rounds out the, you know, the education part of things and knowing what you're getting into in terms of real estate. So when we get to that stage, I hope to share more nitty gritty about, um, costs and things. Um, but for now, I hope that gave you some insight. Um, this is fun. You guys are just like, a, like having a podcast and just being able to talk to you guys about that. Obviously you are not going to hear the experience of us buying this home on, on the tour of our empty house tour, which, which is now live on my YouTube channel, um, or the decorating our home that it's, I feel like what we share here and what we talk about here is is been left out. And now I feel like you have a little more context and a little more behind the scenes where you know there is a lot that go more that goes into it than just pretty decor and um, doing an empty house tour, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot and a lot happens behind the scenes, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we have lots and lots and lots of fun, fun content to come. If of course the, the, the comment section and the door to my DMS and everything is always open, please submit 
what you would like to hear, what you would like us to talk about or discuss, more things that you just have left you with question marks where you want uh, to hear more. Um, this was a big one uh, for sure. And I know I, I really want to have Drew on the podcast nest. So I'm actually going to get off the podcast and actually call him Drew from Lone Fox and see if he would love to be on the next episode with me. And I hope he lets me film at his house. And I hope we can talk about, and I know we will, our, just our experiences with buying and renovating our first homes and um, how maybe our processes have been different or the same or how we've learned from each other. So stay tuned for more content. Stay tuned for more episodes. If you are not already following the podcast, hit the little, I think it's like a little plus mark or something. Hit that at the top of the screen. Follow the podcast. If you want to watch it, watch, watch it, <laughs> watch the podcast. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel with my own two hands podcast. Um, and then comment what you would like to hear next. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will see you in two Wednesdays. Kinsley has been asleep the entire episode. I'm very grateful. She's not barking because she gets really jealous when I talk to you guys. So the fact that she stayed in my lap the whole time, priceless. Bye, guys.